Hi, this is Rachel McElroy. Hello, this is Griffin McElroy. And this is wonderful. We're about to sneak up on old Grandfather Winter, and we're going to push him right in the well, aren't we? You feel it? You feel this 80-degree heat coming from outside, and you just see Grandfather Winter. He's looking in the well because he dropped something down in it. Is he Whitland? He is Whitlin, which is why, and he he dropped his favorite Whitlin knife that he got from oh, his grandfather no. Winter. So anyway, we're gonna sneak up on him. We're gonna push him right down in the well, and that's where he's gonna live and die because it's springtime, baby. And wh- uh, who does he usher in uh, for the spring? Baby spring, baby spring, baby spring has a uh, green hair and a leaf hat and oh. diaper and flower shirt and grass shoes. and bees and he's spring and you get excited to see him because it means grandfather winter has died in the well because of us does baby spring grow up over the course of a year and become grandfather winter well and then he is reborn in the spring months i hate to say this but once cool guy summer gets in oh baby spring is going wellward. Ooh, ooh, okay. But the baby, he's fine in there. He's got a whole little, we got a playroom set up down there. And then pretty soon, Cool Guy Summer is going to be down there too. He'll keep him comfortable. Mm-hmm. Really, the only one that doesn't survive the fall is Grandpa Winter. Okay. So that seems fair. Looking forward to that. And I'm looking forward to doing this show where we talk about things that we're really excited about, things that we really love, things we're really into. Do you have any of those small wonders that I crave? Can you go first? Oh, shoot. I usually use the small wonder time that you put forward to <laughs> consider and think about my own small wonder. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, mine are all going to be pretty nerdy if it like gun to my head. Um, there's some new, there's some new content for Fire Emblem Three Houses on the Switch that is um, good stuff. Fire so, Emblem Three Houses. Em- emblem. Emblem. Three. Emblem's not a word. <laughs> And you should know that. Now, let me tell you what I'm picturing with that. I am picturing a Property Brothers style video game in which you build a house for a young couple. Oh. Uh, and these new updates you just got are mm-hmm. a new a fire third, emblems. A third Property Brother. There is a third Property <laughs> there Brother. There is, actually. yeah, a fourth. A fourth. Oh, my God, really? Fifth? A fifth? Oh, well, that's what the DLC is. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, it's an anime-ass strategy game, and uh, there's new stuff out, and it's really hard. And it's like, a, I, I like a good strategy game that feels kind of chessy, like it feels like doing mm-hmm. chess puzzles. Mm-hmm. I don't really go for a lot of strategy games, so like it really takes a lot to, to, to get me there. And yeah, it's a good one. You can play it on the go. I like it. Do you have, now you've certainly got a dope smile. Yeah, Griffin made a really good short rib meal. Oh my. On Friday. I did. On there was meal. some Dutch oven work. There Lover's was some, Day. some short rib tomato sauce. A little ragu on a, yeah. mix it with a little gnocchi. Gnocchi. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, was, I, I, I rarely like to toot my own horn. But uh, it's the fucking most balling thing I've ever cooked by a pretty wide margin. Yeah, I think it's my favorite. It's yeah. my new fave. Yeah, that Dutch oven. Wow. It can get shit done, man. It gets real hot in there. It gets really hot in there. And on the lid, which I may have touched, <laughs> forgetting that lids can, are also in the oven and they do get hot. You go first this week. Oh, great. What do you uh, set the tone for us? Why don't you? My first thing yes. is the hero's journey. All right. Yeah. Is it sad I only know about this because of Brian David Gilbert? Um, A little bit. Okay. Didn't really sad. learn about it in school. I learned about it from, from I, I forget what episode that was about. I think the Zelda games, maybe? Yeah, that sounds right. Uh, yeah, I don't remember. 
Um, I learned about it in creative writing class when I was an undergraduate in college. I think I was a junior in college and it was my intermediate level creative writing short fiction class. Mm. And the graduate instructor came in and said, do you guys know about Joseph Campbell and the hero's journey? And maybe some people said yes, but I did not. Yeah. And blew my mind. Uh, It just like unpacks and like provides a key to so many films and books in history. All of them, more or less. More or less all of them. Um, mentoring Brian David Gilbert made me think of My Small Wonder, which is Pat Gill's interview of... Oh, yes. Uh, uh, oh, shit. Ben, ben, Schwartz. ben Schwartz. about the Sonic movie. That oh, had my me gosh, busting so the fuck up. It is so funny. Good. If you haven't watched it yet, it's a Polygon video where, where Pat Gill in, in, interviews him and gives him 10 seconds to answer questions. It's so funny. It's so good. Okay, sorry. <laughs> Um, okay, so I didn't, I didn't and still don't know a lot about Joseph Campbell. A lot of people are familiar with The Power of Myth, which is a book based on a 1988 PBS documentary all about mm. Joseph Campbell. Okay. Um, Joseph Campbell was a professor of literature at Sarah Lawrence who worked a lot in mythology and religion. So he's kind of a pivotal figure in a lot of literary, like, examination and, and criticism. Um he put together The Hero with a Thousand Faces in 1949, which talks all about the classic story structure. Okay. Uh, this story structure went on to inform Star Wars, um, just fundamentally Star Wars, but then also The Matrix, Indiana Jones, The Lion King. Um, and it follows this 17-stage structure that you find on almost every like hero's journey right. story. Any film with a hero in it who does journey in some regard. I was hoping kind of that you could think of a like a hero's quest kind of movie. Mm. And then you the one that you have to know pretty well. And then when you could kind of help me identify. Oh, that's good. Mm-hmm. Um could be like a Ferris Bueller. It could be like a Labyrinth. It could be like a, a Goonies. Right. I'm just trying to think of one that I maybe Groundhog Day. Okay. Do you think that would fit the yeah, the, the sure. structure? Okay. Sure. Okay. First call to adventure. Yeah. I mean, he has to go to Punxsutawney for work. Refusal of the call. He does not want to go to Punxsutawney <laughs> for work because it's cold and miserable there. Who is his supernatural aid? I mean, you don't really see it, right? You don't really see. Mm-hmm the the entity that grants him his powers so uh, it is there but not explicitly like given a face uh this for example in star wars would be like a yoda oh yeah for example yeah Uh, or just the force in general i don't know we could get really (laughs) metaphysical about it if you want Uh, and then there's the moment where he this is the fourth stage crosses the threshold which is the point where the hero crosses into the adventure yeah i mean he enters punxsutawney and can't leave (laughs) <laughs> he can't, he goes, there's like a scene where he like drives through uh, the blockade and yeah. goes into town and he can't get out that's a good point point. Um, and okay belly of the whale I mean arguably like when he's in there d- the morning of Groundhog Day doing the doing the work yeah. begrudgingly mm-hmm. that's belly okay so now we have exited the departure act we are now in initiation okay for stage six the road of trials now this is most of the movie this is a majority <laughs> of the film where he uh, enjoys his powers and then things get very very morose okay then uh what is 
formerly called the meeting with the goddess, but this is when I they- mean Andy fucking <laughs> McDowell. This is when the hero faces temptations, often physical or pleasurable, that may lead him to abandon his quest. Andy McDowell. Well, no, before Andy Andy McDowell is uh is, oh, but is, there's like but the, there's like a, a bunch of women that he like messes around with and like proposes to one of them, yeah. knowing that it's just going to disappear the next morning. Yeah. This reminds me of Lost in Translation when he uh, meets the lounge singer. Yeah, there's a lot of, um, you know, maybe art imitating life. Um, And then this is followed um, similarly by the temptress. So there's the meeting and then there's there's the actual act of temptation. Right. Now, atonement with the father. This is when the, the hero must confront and be initiated by with whatever holds the ultimate power in his life. Wow. That's tough. I mean, his own ego, I guess, arguably. He has to learn to kind of shed that a little mm-hmm. bit before this, he can make any progress. This leads to apotheosis, which is where a greater understanding is achieved. Yeah. So this may be the comes moments, in waves. Yeah, where he becomes kind of fatalistic. Yeah, and, and the, it comes in waves, his realization of like what he needs to be mm-hmm. to actually be happy. Uh, then the ultimate boon, which is the uh, achievement of the goal or the quest. Andy McDowell. <laughs> they fall in love. Okay. Okay, now we are on return, which is is the final few stages. We're on stage 12 now. Right. Uh, refusal of the return. The hero may not want to return to the ordinary world. Mm, I don't know that we get that This is where it gets tricky. Groundhog so the return Day. is kind of where a lot of movies like hop out. Right, because at that point, like, they've given you the climax. They can't spend, like, unless it's Lord of the Rings, like, they can't spend another hour exploring the the aftermath. Yeah, I was thinking of Labyrinth in this case, where Sarah gets back to the bedroom, Mm. and, like, she suddenly misses all of her friends, you know, and then she sees him in the mirror. Right, there's probably some of this in Groundhog Day, where, like, on his way out, like, a cop stops him, and he's like, fuck off, cop. And he's like, oops, wait, this is permanent now. (laughs) I don't have the time travel anymore. Uh, the magic flight is the next stage. Um, this is where he must escape with the boon uh, if it is something that the gods were guarding. Well, so the, cops, lo- the cops are now after him and Andy <laughs> McDowell. They're on the run. They're Ooh, in love. Rewrite. But he punched uh, Ned, Ned Brierly, Ned Brierson. Shit, I can't remember his name. Brierson. Brierson. That sounds right. Mm-hmm. Uh, rescue from without. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is when the hero must have guides and rescuers bring him back to everyday life. This is uh, Christopher. Uh, oh shit! What's the dude's name in Groundhog Day from uh, Chris Elliott? Chris Elliott. Christopher Elliott <laughs> is sort of his. <laughs> Some guide. of us are more familiar, I guess. Yeah. Uh, fi- uh, final two or final three stages: the crossing of the return threshold. He smashes through the police barricade. <laughs> This is where he must retain the wisdom to integrate it in life and figure Uh out how to share it with the world. Okay, that is kind of like the last, you know, act of the movie when he's going through like the repeats and just trying to like not perform about it, but just kind of be good. Mm -hmm. Uh, Which then becomes master of two worlds, which is where the hero is comfortable and competent in the inner and outer world. He's a time walker. And that's a whole thing (laughs) that we can get into later. And then final stage, freedom to live. The mastery leads to freedom from the fear of death, which in turn is the freedom to live. Whoa. Okay. Mm -hmm. He probably got there. He died like a thousand times. There you go. There you go. Those are the 17 stages. I think this is like 
an incredible outline for anybody who wants to write like an epic story. Yeah. Like I, I remember hearing this in my like short fiction class thinking, oh, you've, this is, this is it. This is it right here. If I were to write a novel, I would just say, okay, the first, you know, 20 pages called to adventure next 30 pages refusal of the call. You know, it just like sets the whole That's structure for you. book, hon. Well, that's going to be like a, what? Like a 240 page book at that point. I'm writing the new Lord of the Rings. Oh boy. But it's called Lady of the Bracelets. All right, Lady of the Bracelets. Okay, so we got a bunch of bracelets. Some were given to... Keep in mind, I don't know anything about Lord of the Rings. Continue. Well, then maybe you should tell me what it's about. Okay, so... Um, Basing I'm... it on your knowledge of Lord of the Rings. <laughs> okay, so there are a bunch of really... Big people. Okay. I'm just, I'm doing So opposite stuff. of hobbits is yeah. what you're going mm-hmm. with. Mm-hmm. What are those called now? Large bits. Large bits is great. Mm-hmm. Great, great, great. Mm-hmm. Nothing wrong with that. Uh-huh. And they live in the wire. <laughs> oh, so it's like they live in Baltimore then? <laughs> yes. That's fun. And there's one that's like the most special one. Mm. Omar. <laughs> From the wire. <laughs> He's called to go on a quest to find the bracelet that will save his people. Okay. And there's... What happens when he puts the bracelet on? Tell me not. Uh, he is overcome with the power. Okay. Um, and maybe he'll do bad things All if right. he's not strong enough to wear the bracelet. You know more about the, the Lord of the Rings than I think you And there's like on. a little guy that guards the bracelet. And his name is... Um, Oh, we do this all the time. Oh, I you feel love like it, Gollum. Yeah, but th- but that's not what it's called in Lady of the Bracelets. No, no. In Lady of the Bracelets, he's named. She. She is named. Is named Slalom. Oh, very good skier. Okay, that's fun. Mm-hmm. This bit is accessible. And- <laughs> It's definitely not like a mad magazine from like 1971. It's fucking great. Thank you. Can I do my first thing? Yes. It's going to be really quick because it's more of a concept. Okay. It's sort of a broad idea, if you will. Secret doors. Secret doors. Hidden doors. Doors that are hidden in some way and allow access to secret doors areas and things mm, like you pull a book off a bookcase and then that's get, sort of the, okay. I, the the ideal right like that is the that's what you think of when you say hey i got a secret door in my house you think you got a bookshelf where you pull on one of the books and it opens up a thing i think i've only seen that in themed restaurants like i'm pretty sure they have that shit at like magic castle in la which they might get insulted if i call it a theme restaurant but let's be fucking honest guys like you're a bunch of magicians doing anyway uh and like the jekyll and hyde club in new york city i remember had to like one of those you had to do before you could go to the bathroom uh but like i don't think i've ever actually been to a house where that is a thing uh, but I like the idea of it very much. At the old Polygon offices, actually, there was a bookshelf that had uh, a book that had to be in a certain place, and it would open up the bookshelf into what was essentially our gaming room where we would capture game footage. Uh, and by virtue of the fact that the door was a huge-ass bookshelf and there was no other entry into the room, it got so hot in there. <laughs> it got so, so, so hot in there. But it was mm. worth it because it had a cool book door, book key, and I like that a lot. Um there's, uh, I think I've talked about Richard Garriott on this show before. Yeah. I feel like I've talked about him a lot because he's an Austinite and he's like a fascinating dude because he was a game developer who made this seminal RPG series called Ultimate. And 
and basically used it to bankroll his own private sort of space adventure. But he owns a house here in Austin that is full of like an entire network of secret doors. Yeah, can- we saw a video that kind of showcased some of the exciting elements of that house. It's wild. Yeah, there's like some skulls on a table that have to be in like a particular arrangement to open up a spiral staircase <laughs> in his wine like rack that goes down. And then there's a mirror next to a bookshelf where you have to reach up into the ceiling and let go of a latch and the mirror pushes inward and opens up to a new staircase. Like it is literally, it is designed. And then behind that staircase is a room with a fucking Sputnik in it for some reason because my man is like space, out of, space enthusiast. He's a space enthusiast. Uh, it's it is wild. You can find videos of it. Uh, but there is also, and I learned this today, a pretty wide like category of YouTube videos of what I would call um, home improvement dads with too much time on their hands building secret doors in bookcases and or wardrobes and or whatever the fuck i like this you know i was one of those kids that got real into lion the witch in the wardrobe yes and like spent a good part of my childhood just looking for those secret passages into narnia Mm -hmm. and there 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 is no shortage of videos of like you know goobers (laughs) actually making it happen in a way that makes it seem so accessible like oh i could i could do that we would have to convert one of our rooms into the secret room and it feels like you're diminishing the square footage of your house somewhat yeah. like maybe just a closet like a small closet or we could take some of our larger co- closets and put another closet in the closet that's fucking great <laughs> that's very good you think you've reached the back of the closet oh no open oh no up. there's more more closet we i don't know that we own anything that i would worry about enough to hide inside of the closet panic room <laughs> uh aside from i guess ourselves and our child um mm-hmm. so I, I, that's again, sort of a broad, uh, category, but what I also like are just like knowing the secret sort of doors and routes in buildings, uh, that not everybody knows all about. So like when I think about secret doors, what I think about is there was, uh, in the journalism school at Marshall, uh, this like hatch on the floor outside of, uh, my advisor's office. And it was just like an access hatch to this wind tunnel that like went under the J school over to the old library. And you could like exit out onto the street over there, but it was like really well hidden and it took a lot of effort to pry it out. Uh, but once you did, it like created this wild windstorm in the journalism <laughs> school that would knock the ceiling tiles out of place. So it was like this, you were channeling the elements. That's so cool. I always get jealous. I mean, I wouldn't necessarily want to live in a harsh climate, but those areas of the country that have real severe winter and they have those underground tunnels. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Huntington has a lot of like tunnels that aren't necessarily like a completely interconnected network, Um, but it's an old town and there are, I don't know, I feel like an abundance of, you saw some of it in the Mabim Bam TV show. We shot in some of them under the Keith Albee that just has like an endless cavern of storage space that like sprawls beneath like a significant portion of uh, of of you know the street that it's on and i think that's really neat i think just knowing the secrets of a place uh is is such a like rewarding feeling even though like if we had a secret room in this house like it would be more of an annoyance <laughs> like if there was a secret door into a bookshelf into my office i feel like i would just like oh, 
you know, I'm carrying my coffee and my soup. I, I, can't, I can't pull down my magic book. That I think that, about that. Or if you were like, you know, it, it's nighttime and you like can't see where the book is that you have to pull down. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I, I, I think I just like the idea of like secret spaces. I think yeah. there's something very seductive about that and about it being kind of a showpiece, like in your house, if you did have it, like it would be the thing that maybe you showed people, maybe you didn't. Maybe that's how you make people feel like actually welcome in the house is like, hey, I'm letting you in on the big secret. This is where our sex room is. That is probably what they might think at first blush. Would you be prepared to bring a contractor in and have that conversation that is like, I know there's a door here. I want you to get rid of the door and make it look like there was never Never a door door. here, but maintain the integrity of the room behind the door. I would say two things. One, we live in a pretty whimsical city, so I'd be surprised if they would be completely blown away by that request. Oh, another one of those secret rooms. All right, I got it. We could also just get Garrett's guy and just like... (laughs) So like, what do you what do you got in there? Some fucking Tesla coils? Like, no, it's my office. Don't worry about it. It's a shoe it. closet. It's gonna continue to be a shoe closet, but we're gonna make it look like not a shoe closet. Go for it. Go nuts. Hey, can I steal you away? Yes. It can be intimidating trying to roll with the console cowboys in cyberspace. Um, there's always the worry that maybe they know something that you don't vis-a-vis um, website design or website functionality. And you think that I could never be that. I could never be among their illustrious ranks. Griffin, if I wanted to build a website where I ranked my favorite episodes of Ghostwriter, would I be able to do that? Well, first of all, it would be the same list as everybody else's with the Julia Stiles episode at the top. But yes, you can do that with Squarespace. It's the all-in-one platform for building your brand and growing your business online. Every Squarespace website and online store comes with a suite of integrated features and useful guides that help maximize prominence among search results. Do you want to have special functionality, like maybe a members-only VIP club section of your website? You can do that. Do you want to sell stuff? Yeah, you can do that too. Do you want to have an online scheduler so that people, you can, you can sell uh, your time yeah you can do that also anything is possible that's um there for the commercial the super bowl commercial they had that was my voice yelling anything is possible in the wow background. yeah not a lot of people know that hey head to squarespace.com slash wonderful pod for a free trial and when you're ready to launch use offer code wonderful pod to save 10 percent off your first purchase of a website or domain griffin yeah you know it's a shame what is that when you order uh, meals to be delivered to you, they can only be for dinner. That's true because of the law. But wait, wait, what's this coming across our desk? The law is different now? <laughs> it's factor. These rebels are operating outside the boundaries of food law. <laughs> factor has breakfast. They have midday bites. They have smoothies. Uh, there's lots of stuff you can get with Factor. What other things can you get with Factor? Well, I'm looking at this menu right now. They got a lot of tasty little options for you. I'm talking about artichoke and spinach chicken with roasted zucchini and tomato butter. Did you even know that butter could be tomato? <laughs> Not me. Shredded chicken and loaded mashed taters with, I changed the word. They say potatoes, but I said taters, precious. With mushroom <laughs> gravy, smoked cheddar, uh, bacon, and Parmesan broccoli. Uh, this this menu is out of sight, and my mouth is just watering looking at these glossy JPEGs of tasty food. 
So head to factormeals.com slash wonderful50 and use code wonderful50 to get 50% off. That's code wonderful50 at factormeals.com slash wonderful50 to get 50% off. We have a couple of jumbotrons. Can I read the first one? Wow, yes. Oh, I see why you want to read this one. Yes. This message is for Beth. It is from Lex. Hey, Beth, this is just to say, I have bought the Jumbotron on this show with our faves, and which you are probably not expecting to receive. Forgive me. You are wonderful, so kind, and so loving. Thank you for six years together, love, Lex. That is very nice. Oh, what a treat for me, the reader. You know my favorite part of that poem? Nobody stole any fucking fruit. That's true. Everybody got out with all their original fruit. And I like that. Everybody <laughs> celebrates other poem and it's like, they're a fucking thief. We're yeah. celebrating fruit crimes. Mm-hmm. Uh, here's a message for Nova and it's from Vic who says, just a quick shout out to the love of my life. I'm so incredibly proud of you and I can't wait until we get to spend the rest of our lives together in a small suburban town in Wisconsin. Until then, syncing Netflix and multiple four hour phone calls will have to suffice. I love you so much, Mia Moore. Or perhaps my armor? <laughs> no. I love that. It's no. like, you're, hey, babe, you're my armor. No. You protect me from the slings and arrows of this world. No. You provide me with a thick, steely exterior. That's uh, not what A it, powerful no. exo. Thank you for being my powerful steel exoskeleton. No. My mech that I climb inside to fight off the <laughs> angels. Hey, everyone. It's I, John Hodgman of the Judge John Hodgman podcast. And I, Elliot Kalin of the Flophouse podcast. And we've made a whole new podcast, a 12-episode special miniseries called iPodius, in which we recap, discuss, and explore the very famous 1976 BBC miniseries about ancient Rome called I, Claudius. We've got incredible guests such as Gillian Jacobs, Paul F. Tompkins, as well as star of I, Claudius, Sir Patrick Stewart, and his son, non-sir Daniel Stewart. Don't worry, Dan, you'll get there someday. iPodius is the name of the show. Every week for MaximumFun.org for only 12 weeks. Get them at MaximumFun.org or wherever you get your podcasts. Can I tell you my next thing? Yes. This one not quite as epic as the hero's journey. I'm talking about the humble but effective fingernail clipper. Oh, yeah. I love this guy. Do I, have, I got one of these guys. Look at this guy. Here's, oh, yeah, where, the rubber, here's where the rubber ones went. I know you're looking for the rubber ones. They're up here. Griffin always has fingernail clippers in the strangest parts of the house. I grow nails very quickly. <laughs> now, are they mostly on your fingers and toes, or would I find them in other places on your body? Uh, that's a, you know, I'm not going to let the, you know where my nails are, babe. You'll never tell. I'm not going to tell the audience, <laughs> but you know exactly where I grow my nails. <laughs> he's got, he's got eye nails. That's true. It's difficult because he has these long, beautiful lashes, which I would never want him to trim. But the eye nails yeah, well, make you me uncomfortable. You can't have one without the other, babe. The reason those eyelashes grow so <laughs> thick and lustrous is because there's also, it's also got nails. Do you want to hear about the nail clipper? Yeah, sure. <laughs> Around 1875, patents for the modern nail clipper began to appear. We were biting them before this, huh? <laughs> You know, there are, there are a surprising number of articles on the internet of people positing what clipped nails before the nail clipper. And there's no consensus on this? Some of it, some of it is like, well, you know how dogs wear them down on the concrete? People probably did that. Huh. 
I guess at what age, uh, in what era did we start to give a shit about yeah. our nails? Mm-hmm. And also people suggested, you know, just ways of filing the nail. Oh, yeah, that was And then, of it. course, you know, like just knives, scissors. Yeah, you know, sucks. God, that sucks. I got to tell you about the person um, who did the first patent for a nail trimmer named Valentine Fogarty. Holy shit. That's so great. Yeah. Uh, this was a circular nail file. So not exactly like the clipper we know today. Um, the first patent for the clamp style fingernail clipper was 1881. Okay. We are used to the compound lever clipper. There's also a plier clipper. What is that? Oh, like like instead of it having the resistance, you just yeah. like literally, it's literally just like a pair of scissors then kind of a Well, I mean, bit. it looks like, like a plier like it's the kind you would like clip like a dog's nail yeah that with. sucks mm-hmm. wow that's rough mm-hmm. jeez this is this one's skeezing me out a little bit babe <laughs> now let me tell you a little bit about the thing that changed everything didn't happen until 1947 there were people alive today that didn't have access to this clipper okay it's the one that has the jaw style design, but it has the little nibs near the base to prevent lateral movement. <gasps> Interesting. Uh-huh. You know the little nibs? I they, love like, those guys. Uh-huh. And then there's um, a notched rivet, which adds the thumb swerve to the lever. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, and I'm just doing that right now. See, see you see it's a me. pleasing thumb you swerve. You see me over here messing with the thumb swerve, and I'm just kind of spinning the top of the jaw all the way around. Like a, and, and at this point, it's not just a grooming tool, babe. It's a toy. I'm having yeah, fun with it. The original fidget spinner. Hey, hon, why why did you just why did you decide to talk about this? It is such a perfect little tool. It's good at what it does. I mean, a lever is a satisfying tool no matter what. Yes, this is a good point. But I just think about just like the general size and shape. Now, some would argue that the size and shape is not exactly the size of a fingernail. Oh, um, you know, you have to you have to go around one side and then the other and then the middle. Yeah, you know, um. But I just like I find the process of clipping fingernails like so precise mm-hmm. uh, and it's just kind of the perfect tool to do it. You, you know? say perfect, but that is selling uh, our imaginations short. So I guess here's the thing. How can we improve them? OK, so there have been improvements. Oh, my God. There's like just a general like a fatter clamp. You know, so you get more like that's just that's just work on it. There's also know. a side model, so instead of like coming like this way, you can hold it sideways. I like that actually. So your right or left hand, it doesn't matter because the argument is that your stronger hand is going to be the more precise hand. Okay. And so people say if you use it like from the side with like a side handle, yeah, then it doesn't matter as much with your dominant hand. Okay. I also this is the fun design is the one that has like the real long pole <laughs> so that if you can't reach your toes. I was just about to say. Mm-hmm, that's a real thing. What about just sort of an automated sort of mulcher that you could kind oh, of vary? Oh, you just vary- put your whole hand in? Well, I was thinking feet. I can do my fingernails. Well, I can do my left hand. So my left hand nails look like professionally mm-hmm. done and my right hand nails always look like a child uh, has tried to do them uh, with like a pencil sharpener or something like that. <laughs> my toes like forget about it. I so need the So you would want to put your... your f- toes into a machine yeah 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 that doesn't terrify you at all well the machine's going to be custom made for my feet oh that's nice and all of a sudden this does sound like a product that we would sponsor on this <laughs> this is something we could put in our secret room though ultimately which yeah I like. but then it's not gonna like people are gonna see that and not instantly think it's not a sex dungeon <laughs> 
Can I talk about my second thing? Yes, please. My second thing is a song that is a powerful theme, an anthem that will get you um, just ready to go. And that song is Tighten Up by Archie Bell and the Drells. Uh, I love when I sent you this song, just to make sure that you had heard it before, the way that you first found it was through The Simpsons. Yeah, I, I, it was interesting because I, I said there's like a Simpsons bit where it's like Homer, it's like a flashback, and he's like performing this song as a one-man band. And I remember thinking like, huh, that's funny. And then years later when I heard the song, I was right. like, oh, that, that's an actual song. I heard it for the first time, you know, when I was a, when I was a child, probably when I, no, when I was about like 20. I heard it on uh, You Look Nice Today. There's an episode where they talked about uh, Tighten Up by Archie Bell and the Drells. And now, like today, it pops up constantly on like the four or five different playlists that I have it on. And the reason I have it so widespread is because it is a perfect song. It is so straightforward and good and pure. And I just almost always am in the mood to hear it. And that's not true for a lot of songs. Like it's never come up and I've been like, ugh, I'm not I, I don't have time for you right now, Archie Bell and the drills is tighten up. It's always like, oh hell yeah, here it is. It's time what? to go. And now what is the normally people would hear the phrase tighten up and they would think that that is not a thing somebody wants to do. Hmm. Do you have a sense of what tighten up means? In this Maybe you don't want to tighten up, but Archie Bell is just so sort of like enthusiastically telling everyone on earth <laughs> one person at a time. He actually, if you listen to the whole song, names every single per oh, that's person. Fun. Yeah. So he's like, Rachel McElroy, tighten up. Uh, and he gives it to everybody, <laughs> and so everybody tightens it up. Uh, if you've never heard this song, it is just like, it is this early kind of like foundational funk hit uh, that came out in, I believe, 1968, and it is, it, it, it's sort of like, it topped the R&B and pop billboard charts and was really the first sort of funk song to uh, to, to achieve that level of popularity. Uh, so yeah, if you've never heard it, uh, I'm going to play, just the beginning of the song is so so powerful and so strong. So here, here's the beginning of Tighten Up. First tighten up on the drum. Come on now, drummer. What's the tighten it up for me now? Oh, yeah. Tighten up on that bass now. Tighten it up. <laughs> yeah. Now let that guitar fall in. Oh, yeah. At the beginning there, uh, he says a lot of great shit, uh, including, uh, we don't only sing, but we dance just as good as we want. Uh, and I'm not entirely sure what that means, uh, but I'm glad that he feels empowered to dance just as good as he wants. Uh, he also starts out by saying that they're from, uh, they're Archie Bell and the Drills, they're from Houston, Texas. And the reason he said that apparently is because, uh, and this was in an interview with some magazine, uh, it was after the Kennedy assassinations and he had heard a comment that nothing good ever comes out of Texas. Oh. So he wanted to, uh, he has a quote where he said he wanted people to know that we were from Texas and we were good. Uh, <laughs> it, the song is just like, it, it, you heard that clip and there's, you know, obviously a lot more to the song and it's all very good, but like you kind of get the structure if you hear the first 30 seconds of it where it's Archie Bell just sort of enthusiastically encouraging all of his bandmates to tighten it up and play incredible fills. Uh, the bass, the bass <laughs> runs on this song. The the licks are so fucking hot, and then the like the break beats, like the the drum breaks, are like so 
uh, incredible, and I feel like they are inspirational to a lot of like the the funk music that came after. Honestly, there are lots of different genres where I feel like you could hear that, those exact sort of beats uh, it, it happening inside of them. Like it I feel is like it's such the kind a fresh of song, song that, like, if you and I were at a party and this song came on, we would instantly feel like the party was cooler. Yes, absolutely. I would feel welcome. It is a it is a it is a comforting <laughs> song for me. The origins of the song are kind of wild, right? So Archie Bell and the Drells is the band that that uh, put it out and. Uh, you know, popularized it. Uh, Archie Bell, the, the origins are kind of complicated. Archie Bell uh, from Houston, Texas, uh, big family. He had like six or seven brothers and sisters. Uh, and he got drafted to serve in, in the army during the Vietnam War. Uh, and he was a musician already at this point. And he was bummed out. And his bandmate uh, named Billy Butler taught him this dance to like cheer him up. That's like the, how the story goes. Then the dance was called Tighten Up. Uh, at the same time, in Houston, there was another R&B group that was called the TSU Toronados, uh, and they would like play shows around town. And this was like the riff they would play that two chord. They would play that, and it was like that song was like their theme song. They would like play that to like get people pumped. Uh, the TSU Tornadoes and Archie Bell and the Drells had the same manager, so he like put them in a room together. Oh. Archie Bell had like. took this riff took this dance the tsu tornadoes like did the background and then they just like and apparently it sounds like kind of like loose and improvisational it took like 30 or 40 takes like they were in the studio (laughs) like all night putting this down but this this uh you know this this manager was sort of the alchemist who brought like all these different components together this was originally a b-side to another song that they were trying to make like happen and it just wasn't and then djs were like hey let's flip this over oh shit and then it just sort of became a it became this national hit while archie bell was deployed archie bell was in archie bell was deployed he was uh, stationed in germany and he was injured he like injured his leg and so uh you know even after he came back like he couldn't dance they had choreography and stuff like he couldn't really do it uh, so like while he was recovering, they put out this full length album uh, and they went on to like have a bit more of a, a career after that. But like this is by far like their biggest uh, hit. And it is it is just really, really good. Have you looked to see if there's videos on the YouTube? There is. They are like pretty low quality, yeah. but you can see the dance. The dance is not really like curious. It is not like, you know, like Jackson 5 level choreography yeah. than that. Like it's Does a it lot more. Does it give more. you a clue as to what tightening up is? No. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I but I think it's okay to not know explicitly what you tightening know, like, up is. But this is not far from the time frame where everybody was like telling you what the dance was and how to do it. I just wondered if this was like an actual like a... Like a dance, people would be at the club, and you would be like, "Oh, that man is." There was is- a tighten up dance, okay. right? But it was not. It was very low impact. Okay. I would say, <laughs> I would argue. Um, but really, I think this was just like the party starter. Like this was yeah. just the this was just the song that made you want to just fucking groove because Archie Bell was up there telling you to do it, and then you would hear like just all of these different sort of patchwork, just funky ass like sections of this song. Uh, it's just great. It's just perfect. I'm going to like, it's nice to know that I have this constant in my life of just like, here's a song that I will always be excited to hear. Um, unless I like burn out on it, but yeah, I think it'd be hard to do. Uh, I love tighten up. Do you want to know what our friends at home are talking about? 
Yes, please. Alex says, my wonder is maritime museums. The Columbia River Maritime Museum has an exhibit called the Lightship Columbia, and it's an actual place you get to walk around, a floating lighthouse. Neat. A lot of maritime museums have floating exhibits like that, and you can see what it was like living aboard as a boatswain. I think I mostly picked this one because it had the word boatswain in it. (laughs) Have you ever been in a maritime museum no but yeah this is something that people that have don't live on the coast don't really get access to i'm sure it's very cool though i'm open to it for sure i've been to aquariums which is like a fish museum with water in it if you think about it oh yeah and fishes it's like uh, boat pets because they live under them you are such a poet griffin thank you nathan says lizards are wonderful Take Nathan's word for it. That's it. That's it. Woo. But it makes you think, doesn't it? It is evocative it in a way. Um, lizards, my relationship with them is we live in Texas, and so I almost always step on them all the time every day. <laughs> every little, day I'm little, walking, little guys. and little, little guys just... Burp. I guess I like big lizards, too. I like a lizard on a rock, um, just sunning. Yeah. I like that. Our friend had a big lizard that would yeah. eat bugs and stuff, and that was pretty cool. Yeah. I guess they're eating bugs, and maybe there's a lot of bugs that I'm not a big fan of that they like to eat, and that's good to me, I guess. And mm-hmm. some of them have beards, and that's funny, like sideburns and shit. That's cool. But the problem is, King Koopa's a lizard. <laughs> I hate that guy. <laughs> Such a childish spirit. Thank you. To Bowen and Augustus for the for a theme song, Money Won't Pay. You can find a link to that in the episode description. Thank you to Maximum Fun for having us on the network. Uh, Max Fun Drive is coming up very soon. Yeah, we recorded our bonus episode. It was so good. Rachel Griffin assures me it was good. It was very good. Rachel has never talked about video games professionally before, but we uh, we she played Animal Crossing New Leaf uh, for like two weeks. Uh, a game that I adore, and I know a lot of our listeners do. And then we talked about this video game for like 45 minutes, and mm-hmm. it was a lot of fun. I liked it a lot. We got to play together a little bit, and that made me very happy. <laughs> um, yeah, I think that's it. We are so proud of you. We're so proud of you. <laughs> and it's about time that somebody said it. You've been working hard. You have. You know, and you're loyal You're so loyal to a fault. No, you're not that loyal. (laughs) You're loyal, but not to a fault. You know, you're a good amount of loyal. Yeah. And it's because of that that I think it's important. We wrap this one up by saying, proud of you. Proud of you. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported. Hey, you've reached Dr. Game Show. Leave your message after the beep. Dr. Game Show is my favorite podcast and the only podcast my parents let me listen to because I'm 12. But even old people love this show. Basically, you call in, play games, and have fun. If you win a game, a baby will send you a magnet in the mail. 
I have so many magnets and put them all over my locker and pretty much everyone at school is jealous because they are very cool custom magnets and it also means that I'm really good at winning games. And they even let me practice my record live on the air. <laughs> Listening to this show is like going to a real doctor, but pretty much kind of better. Doctor Game Show Rock. Listen to Dr. Game Show on Maximum Fun. New episodes every other Wednesday.